can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Hello Hi, I'm Brandon Greenhouse. I'm Jane Blackburn Hammer. And you are watching slash listening to Movies, Movies We Missed, we missed a <laughs> podcast that's dedicated to us going on a journey back through the celluloid of years gone by and um, looking at it, looking at movies that maybe for one reason or another, one of us just didn't get around to seeing. Sometimes it's going to be movies that neither one of us has seen, which is great. But most of the time it's going to be us sharing movies with each other, kind of Uh, a movie that the other person never got around to seeing. And this week it was my job to dole out the movie to Jane. And I gave her the gift of being able to sit down and cozy up to a Nancy Myers joint <laughs> by the name of Something's Gotta Give. Something's Gotta Give. And you know what? To be honest with you, okay, so this was a 2003 film. I'm not entirely sure why I missed it. I graduated high school in 2003. And then, I, you know, so I don't think that I was like, my main focus was like running to the theaters to check out what Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson were doing. Um, so we're different so, people. So we're different people. Because my first thought was like, oh, I bet Brandon made time for this in the theaters. Oh, baby girl, you better believe that me and my mom. I was were literally there. going to say, you and Gwen cozied up at your local you know AMC it. with the snacks, the popcorn. It was a Lowe's. It was a Lowe's mama. But yes, we did. <laughs> we went in with our pre purchased snacks, my mother's purse <laughs> bursting at the seams. Um, <laughs> of course. And we bought our movie popcorn that we covered in hydrogenated oil. Um, and we lived we lived our lives we did what we do yeah no that wasn't going to get by anyone in my household and by anyone i mean one of the two of us <laughs> well it's funny because when i was watching and i was like i can i can absolutely picture you and your mom cozying up to this together and it has like that comfort the, the nancy mm-hmm. myers joint always has that like comforting yeah, yeah, yeah. like i'm gonna watch this uh, the cozy up on the couch on like a sunday afternoon with like yeah, a yeah, hot yeah. cup of tea and like a blanket from like west elm you know of course yeah no so, it's very much that it's certainly most of her movies are like that for me and like but. inexplicably wealthy people but like oh my god i love we'll i love get movies into that people. it's so funny to me so i have so much to say about these kinds of movies um and not to say that i don't love these kinds of movies of course i do but like there's <laughs> there's some there's some threads i like to pick and yeah. so this was a perfect perfect movie for that for me. So I think you knew what you were doing when you made the choice. I, I knew that I knew that there'd be fodder. I, I knew that <laughs> that it would be a fun one to navigate. And it's always mm-hmm. interesting rewatching these movies, knowing that you are watching them too, because it's like 
sometimes it feels like I'm having a conversation, which this is the case with most things that elicit like strong emotions from me, especially if the strong emotion is tied to just like a lot of criticism. Like you're always the person that I think like, oh, wasn't Jane here. So it makes sense that in these, these trying times a la pandemic, that this would be no exception. Like this, this is totally one of those moments where it's like everything that happens, I'm like, uh, or I have those moments where I, you know, it was fun because I got to watch it with Dave and he'd never seen it. And he was really delighted by it. So it was fun to watch it with him too, because I love when he'll just point out something that is like insane. And I'm like, oh yeah, I never thought about that before. Yeah, so it's great. Like there's, there's, I did the same thing. I mean, I watched it with Tara in, in a way that I don't know whether to take as like a compliment or not. She kept being like, this woman's so much like your mother. <laughs> Okay. Most mo- first, most Nancy Myers heroines are like they have like uh they have a Nanham vibe to them vibe yeah so like it it does make sense like these women are upwardly mobile and <laughs> they have like <laughs> usually like it always feels like they've got the closet of like a very specific type of woman of a certain age Absolutely. and like I always feel like I could see your mom like for sure like being at like the rack in the store and going for the same turtleneck as Diane Keaton they're both grabbing it and being like oh and having like one of those like middle-aged white women giggles and like then a, like a you know. meet cute with Diane Keaton <laughs> well, exactly which like shout out to my mom um shout out to Nanham always love your vibe <laughs> this is like not it's not insulting I think it's like no not at all Oh, oh no, I, I think didn't it's think actually that at all. like no, she's no, a very delightful. like yeah, a delightful. I mean, woman your mother's feet age. are, I think, a lot more planted firmly in reality than yes. like one hundred percent. This is a character. like this I just see. There's a couple moments in the movie where like Keaton comes undone, and Nanham would have just like <laughs> rolled her eyes and like got her keys <laughs> and left, and like, and like you it's know, time to go. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think we've both outstayed our welcome, and then just like left. Yeah, for sure. So. Before we get into it, let's talk about, I know you probably have some stuff you want to talk about in terms of Keaton and Nicholson, their career, where we're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I was just going to say, you know, the movie came out, um, premiered on December 12th, 2003. Um, this movie is actually also like a huge hit. It like, it has to have been. I'm deciding, but it has to have been more of a hit than they would have thought. Just Nancy Myers, you know, an acclaimed writer director Private for a rom com. What else? Is she oh, done? for sure. Uh, Private Benjamin, Baby Boom, The Holiday. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. Oh, like you know, ones. she's got some. She's got some good joints, you know. Mm-hmm. But this, you know, this was a really big hit. I mean, worldwide, it grossed over 266 million dollars. Um, although I will say that this movie had a budget of. $80 million, which was really surprising to me because that feels like a lot of money for like a rom-com centered around, huge, you know, huge, especially even, I mean, even with, you know, yeah. And even, even, I mean, obviously Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson, huge stars, even at this point still, you know, a legends, but um, still it's a lot of money. And um, one thing Not that I found out our supporting cast. Oh, for yeah. no. Yeah, absolutely. Reeves, Amanda like, Pete, Francis McDormand. 
who all were pretty yeah, big no. at that time by the time yeah, I would say yeah, Frances McDormand sure. maybe is not as huge although no she's actually probably pretty big maybe more of like I mean she'd won era. the Oscar for, for Fargo in the 90s point, so I mean yeah. she still had that big it was a big cast all, all around but yeah it's interesting also I, I read that apparently in Diane Keaton's uh, biography her memoir then again is what it's called um, oh she God, talks she about how apparently she was paid although she doesn't specify she was paid a significant amount less than Jack Nicholson to do this film <gasps> which is crazy even though it's not crazy at all it's totally predictable even it's though the story obviously predictable. <laughs> even though the story that's so upsetting her. for a number of reasons Oh, yeah. No, for sure. But apparently, Jack Nicholson, part of it was because Jack Nicholson, he had a back-end deal, which, you know, Jack Nicholson's famous for his back-end deals. He had one when he did the the Batman movie and he played the Joker that, you know, ended up netting him, like, so much money, tens upon tens of millions of dollars as a result of, like, you know, smart strategizing and getting sort of the money. A lot of times with back-end deals, um, you get a percentage of the box office after a certain point. Jim Carrey is also another one who's notorious notorious for his like back-end deals like he he did one for the movie that I don't know if people even really remember although it was really successful but Yes Man was a movie of he course. did which I've never seen but I know it's him Zoe Deschanel and that was I think the first time that he did like a back-end deal where if I remember correctly and if I'm wrong I know that you know our millions of listeners are gonna let us know um but I think the back-end deal was like I don't make any money until the movie opens and all of the like, you know, for promotion and things like that, there's a certain amount of recouping that happens. And then after that amount is surpassed, I make a percentage of the money after that point. And it was so, so something like, God, ugh, I'm so off. I know with these numbers, but it was like 80 million or something like that was the point that he would start. It was something like that. Like once they made the studios made all their money back, then you get some on that. And it was a big deal. And it was written about in papers and people were sort of like, I don't know if this was a smart you know, decision on Jim Carrey's part, but it was. And the movie ended up making like over, I think 200 million. So all of that money afterwards, he was getting a percentage off of the like off of the top of those profits so i think jack nicholson sort of has like a back-end deal like that but a really long story short to make it short um diane keen specified that she didn't know anything about any of that she didn't know that he had done the back-end deal she obviously hadn't done it and several years after the movie after they'd wrapped the movie and it had been a you know a big success she got a check in the mail and jack nicholson found out that she didn't have a back-end deal and he gave her half of the money that he got um, oh from the God. back end deal, which I was like, good for him. I mean, you know, yeah, like. Yeah, good for him. That makes me respect him a little bit more. Not that I really. Only a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, I don't have a lot of personal feelings, but I don't know him. I, I really don't know anything about him. You don't know Jack like, Nicholson? I No, we are not close personal okay. friends, unfortunately. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Takes all kinds. It does. Us. Should we get going let's, on? Um, let's let's dive in. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, you guys already know the story centers around Erica Berry, played by Diane Keaton. Um, at the very beginning of the movie, though, the first scene of the movie, it's a montage um a la 2003 well, of young taught women. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, so we open with that montage and they're running around New York City and they're walking around like models, and they all are <laughs> at 25 and younger. They're all white and they are 
<laughs> walking around to the song Butterfly by Crazy Town. I don't know if you guys remember that song. Um, you know but, you do. Well, of course I do. But what I actually know is that by the time this movie came out, that song was probably like way overplayed for it to show up in a Nancy Myers movie. Which um, also tells you that there was like a middle-aged person in the in like the booth who was like, I know it'd be cool. Absolutely. I know what the kids are into these days. And since we're talking yeah. about young women, I know they love their crazy town. Who doesn't though, you know? <laughs> so we open on that montage and we hear Jack Nicholson's very distinct <laughs> creepy Rough baritone. voice talking about how much he loves younger women, which, <laughs> you know, as, as a woman, I love that. Love that vibe. Definitely of a certain little, age. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to throw that in there. Well, we find out. So it's that montage. And then we cut to Amanda Pete, who is supposed to be his mm. young lady friend. They're heading to her mom's house in the Hamptons for the weekend. And that her mom is very rich from writing one successful play or something. She says something get- like... I guess, I guess this is what you get. He was like, you're, you're rich. And she was like, I'm not rich. My mom's rich. And then he was like, if you're living in this neighborhood, you're rich. And she's like, well, I guess that's what writing a hit play does to you. <laughs> I was just like, okay, unless that play was fucking Hamilton, like <laughs> one hit play does not get you a insane mansion in the Hamptons. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. She said the most celebrated playwright since Lillian Hellman, which is, is like that's saying a lot like Lillian Hellman is one of the most famous playwrights of all time she wrote like the children's hour famously she famously wrote toys in the attic she wrote the little foxes which was turned into an academy award-winning motion picture starring you know Betty Davis Henry Fonda like she's like an iconic oh, wow. playwright so it's like so it's really like oh so she's like a big deal I think, I don't think circa 2003, no. I think writing a hit play maybe in like the 80s would potentially like, but I think more than anything, what that would do was give you a certain amount of access. I think it would definitely give you like the opportunity for like your play to be optioned for a movie or something like that. And maybe that's where like large amounts of money, but I imagine what it all it would really do was give you, I mean, I mean, you would make some money, but like, I don't know if you'd be making enough to like, to buy like a second home in the Hamptons. That's like money that you make from like, you know, from shooting like a sequel to Avengers, you know, like then you can be like, oh, you know, oh, this Iron Man movie that I played a supporting character in, like maybe Don Cheadle could be like, yeah, Iron Man 2 paid for our guest, for like our guest house. Like, I'm like, yeah, nobody's questioning that. But yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, if if she had even said, if she'd even like written like a, like a hit musical, then that would even be more. Right, exactly. I'm thinking like even just a play in the Black Box Theater in New York City where the actors are making $500. Well, you don't, that's the thing too, is that you don't really hear a lot about even now, like if there's a big play, you don't, you don't really hear a lot about it. I I don't know. Like, I feel like before this may be wrong of me, but I feel like even before Hamilton, obviously the last blockbuster play or blockbuster music on Broadway, I think that I know there was like Book of Mormon was really big, but Book of Mormon, Mormon, yeah. But Book of Mormon, I mean, it was big enough to make Josh Gad and Andrew Reynolds famous, but I don't even think Book of Mormon was Hamilton kind of money. I think no because I feel like I'll tell you what maybe. 
Oh, Wicked. Yeah, that's a good one. I think what like they're trying to show us at this point is, look, we've got a woman. She's successful. Self-made. She's also creative and self-made. Mm-hmm. So we arrive at this house and it's like this beautiful. I like I, I, I want this house so desperately. And upon getting there, uh, Amanda Pete can't wait to get Jack Nicholson's pants off, of course. Which is something that, like, I really, like, this is the first thing where I'm like, okay, well, I can't suspend my disbelief for this. Because there's no way. Like, there's just no way. Like, yes, he may be very rich and successful, but she herself comes from a rich family. So, like, would she even really care to spend time with an old potato like Jack Nicholson? (laughs) Also, it's like, I mean... If I imagine that she was prepared to like partake in some form of like sexual intercourse with him, but like I don't imagine it being like a situation of like we've just gotten this house, like I've got to have you. Like I believe that maybe it was like she didn't even she couldn't even get to a bedroom. It was like take she your was pants doing off. a strip tease to like show him around the house, and I was first like, ew, it's like, like you can't, well because like- you know Amanda Pete the actress is just like grinning and fucking bearing it. And like, it's a means to an end, but like, there's no way this character is like, I've like, she may be willing to have sex with him, but it's definitely going to be like after some more drinks and like, there's going to be a bit more like goading on his part. It's not going to be like <laughs> her being like, to be. I've got to have it. No. <laughs> so that's the first time that they've lied to us as spectators exactly Um, and they 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 end up in the bedroom they're on the bed she's like straddling him with her underwear on and we see his hands on her ass his hands on her ass he like slaps her ass and i was just like i don't want to do this brandon (laughs) like this is happening i was like if i have to watch this play out i'm upset um, so we've got this sexy moment between the two of them. There's chemistry out the wazoo between Amanda <laughs> Pete and Jack Nicholson. Die. Um, Palpable. So in walks um, Diane Keaton and Francis McDormand. He's like, hey, it's me. I have your daughter's girlfriend. <laughs> Boyfriend. <Jane>. Boyfriend. <laughs> Ugh, lesbians. <laughs> and um, he's like, she's like, doesn't believe him or something and she's like uh, she's like like, you're a hundred no you're not yeah which actually tracks with me (laughs) zoe is played by Frances mcdormand she is unfortunately in this scene wearing pigtails which is a big (laughs) no-no for me for anyone older than six years old um (laughs) they're like want us to know she's the quirky one a little she's the quirky one she's fun she's got you know she's a child at heart but unfortunately aunt zoe is such an underwritten character (laughs) she's like no only exists to like move the story forward for the rest of the characters we don't know zilch about her one thing that nancy myers is not gonna do is waste time on a supporting character okay like she's got it's gonna take two hours and 20 minutes to tell this romantic comedy story and we're not gonna be using any of that to develop anybody who exists on the periphery. So if that's what <laughs> you think you're going to get, a fully fleshed supporting cast, no, 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 baby. Like, <laughs> you're going to have to look elsewhere, sweetie. <laughs> it's a different playwright, okay? So why don't you go check out like a Nora Ephron joint if that's your fantasy? Because it ain't happening here, Captain. 
like well, we don't it surprises me like why is francis like signing up for this like shell of a woman it <laughs> probably was just it probably it probably was a really cute paycheck and she was like because she's a name she's an academy award winning actress multiple Academy. so it's like for her to take this part i'm sure it was like oh like you know i'll be filming all my scenes in like you know the hamptons i'll be there for like a month i don't have a lot of like shooting time like i'll be spending the rest of my time on the beach living like the life that francis mcdormand lives um <laughs> and hanging out with like my Cohen, iconic husband. Absolutely. I'm good to go. So I'm sure that was probably a part of it. You know, she probably had done some like really like daunting, like intense award winning performance in some, you know, gritty movie right before this. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to just throw these pigtails in my hair and like (laughs) throw myself into this fantasy. I'll be Zoe, no last name. Like (laughs) Aunt Zoe. Well, what what, what Zoe, Frances McDormand's character, what she says is, well, hold on hold on no we're all sophisticated people why don't we all just stay here that's what she says and i love the idea of a person stating that they're a sophisticated person because (laughs) if my friend said that to me i would throw up on top of their head (laughs) i would be like just by saying that you are absolutely not sophisticated just by saying that you're another rube (laughs) um so so they all decide to stay there and then um they take a trip into you know local town fabulous town they're at like french a french like like it's like a french market boutique french grocery store and this is the scene (laughs) that tara was like okay she reminds me of your mom (laughs) and my mom fancies herself a french speaker even though like I don't think she can really speak French that well. Sorry, mom. I know you have a couple of words of French, but my mom loves to try and speak French. And so when she saw Diane Keaton speaking to the person behind the counter in French, it's like, oh my God, that's your mom. I mean, it's a, it's and because a my mom has a certain, my mom has a certain bougie vibe yeah, that, absolutely. you know, she's ordering a cheese you've never heard of in a language you can't speak, but it's going to be delicious. Go with it. Then um, Marin proceeds to speak French and she mentions, you know, my mom dabbles in it, but I'm fluent. And then she sort of, you know, sashays away. And so one thing to notice or to mention that I did notice is they all have got little ice cream cones. Ugh, yeah, they do. <laughs> and... I am not sure why, but Jack Nicholson watches Amanda Pete or Marin walk away and he looks at her ass and leers at it like a disgusting, dirty old man. Mm-hmm. And then he takes his <laughs> and I just, I like, I almost barfed a little bit because this was just so disgusting to me. It was really and sexy. He performs what can only be like his version of what he thinks is good cunnilingus right onto the um, ice cream cone in front of everybody. It's just But it's just like, it's, I mean, it's a dirty old man in the corner, like, tonguing an, an ice cream, cream cone pump. while, you know, ogling, you know, Amanda Pete. Ogling um, a woman who's under 30. It's so disgusting. And <laughs> I was just like, how can I continue to watch this movie? Shortly after this scene, they make their way to checkout. And this is one of the first times that Erica's character and Harry's character have like a little banter. He explains that he owns a rap, a rap record label, of course, um, called Drive By Records. You know, um, I have so much to say about this and I, you're just trying to breeze by it. And I've no, 
words. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to. No, that's what she's. I was just gonna say. She's. He says he owns Drive By Records, and then, you know, Erica sort of lets him know how she feels about rap music, and you know, she doesn't love hearing women called bitches all the time. Yeah. Well, she thinks rap music is misogynistic. I mean, well, can't first be. of all. Which it can be. Yeah. I'm not debating that fact. But I also think I don't want to hear a bunch of old white people talk about rap music in Hamptons. This is probably a movie where there is not a single person of color, let alone a black person, on. Well, you better believe it, sis. uh, At any point in the production. So I was like, nobody raised. And again, this is 2003. I guess we were probably not as aware as we might be now as a society about the things that we do and say, particularly what they mean within a movie, particularly a movie like this. Particularly, we're not back in 2003 rallying for a diverse set. And I also think Nancy is not the one that I am going to go to when I'm hoping to find some diversity. No. (laughs) I mean, the tablecloths are white in this movie. Exactly. Also, every single person, their wardrobe is just white or cream or beige. And I was like, I wrote in my notes later, I was like, is this a nod to white supremacy? (laughs) Like, You go through the J. Jill catalog and you say, if it's not white, I don't want it. Nan wrote what she knew. She just <laughs> she she tried to branch out with that drive by records and it didn't quite work out. It didn't um, quite work out. <laughs> And um, also, it's like, if you're not going to say anything larger by, you know, of course, in my mind, it was like, of course, it's like an out-of-touch white man that's like the, you know, the CEO of this record label. But of yeah, course. no, you're right. It was, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely like a problematic moment where you're like, okay, there's no... Also, if he had some sort of like thoughtful retort for her, maybe, or like there was going to be the beginning of some sort of like interesting or thought-provoking interchange between the two of them. But no, that didn't happen. No, it was all that isn't this movie. <laughs> Um, then her sister Zoe realizes that she's read articles about him. Um, and then he, he's specifically, confirmed. there was a large article in New York magazine about mm-hmm. how he's a famous bachelor and was once the escape artist is what it was called. Right. The escape artist and how he was once engaged to Diane Sawyer. But yes. for whatever reason, that didn't work out. I was waiting for this <laughs> information to come back and pay off throughout the movie <laughs> you wanted a sawyer cameo <laughs> i wanted a sawyer cameo oh, i wanted amazing well i'm sorry but i don't i think it's weird to mention that he was married to diane sawyer and then not give us a little taste of sawyer later in the movie exactly i mean as a filmmaker that's a choice you make and I'm sorry, I refuse to believe that Nancy Myers does not have a through line to Diane Sawyer. But anyways, I digress. A, a perfect line to sum up like the vibe of this whole movie was she said, single women over 50 are about as fucked of a group as can be. And I was just like, this is perfect because this is this is the kind of feminism that exists in this movie that goes no further. So there are rich women who are in their 50s who are certainly having a tough time because, you know, men their age are only dating women under 30 and that's tough. And they're sort of forgotten by society as well. But the fact that they talk about it being the most fucked group that can be when there's like not a single person of color in this movie, their feminism is like specific to white wealthy women. And so that's why it's kind of like, 
it, this movie's tone deaf for me. And again, I know this is what, like 18 years later, of course, you know, intersectional feminism is not a new concept. And certainly people have been screaming about it since at least the seventies. And so it's just so funny that like when people want to make a statement movie and it's Nancy Myers and she's out of touch with like what happens in the real world, this is like a line that makes it into her movie because I don't disagree with her that it is very tough to be a single older woman because you are sort of forgotten. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you're as about a fucked as a group you can see. And the reason why I know that is because you're saying that in a fucking multi-million dollar mansion in the Hamptons. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. There's a certain amount of like not really branching out from your world in order to like try and push that point of view through. Um, <laughs> woke white women love using foods to describe people of certain race. So, oh my God, absolutely. You know, when my mocha man touches my thigh, <laughs> when my vanilla mixes with his amaretto, <laughs> you better believe you got yourself a little cafe au lait coming your way. Ugh, okay, can we, can um, we save the white woman's slam poetry for another episode? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Preferably no. when I'm not here. <laughs> no, you're going to be getting texted about it, Mama. Don't you worry. Uh, also, we should listening. mention yeah. the doctor. Of oh, course, of course. I'm, I was about to, of course. Our boy, um, Keanu Reeves. Our, our boy, Keanu Reeves, Dr. Julian. He's in like quintessential sexy snack mode like Keanu looks real good he looks gorgeous he's got the he's got the flowing hair he's got the the Keanu voice and he's just Mm. he's just you know he's that confident sexy doctor that you want to see taking care of you and you know Keanu is not just showing up for this you know he's going to be dabbling in one of those ladies at some point not yeah, like not the patients. Like he's gonna be like no, no, no. I mean, yeah. Like one of our one of our females. Um, he's a doctor. Why did I make Keanu him sound Reeves. like the Harvey Weinstein of the hospital? <laughs> he's just running through them. No, just um, running through patients like violating them. No, you know, Ke- what no, I'm- you know, Keanu Reeves is like the fucking best and you know he gets I consent 15 Keanu times Reeves. during oh. sex he checks in multiple times to make oh sure my God. It's but like, okay like- that he like make <sighs> you come <laughs> and he's like, like yes, you're about to reach you. peak orgasm that's okay right <laughs> that's cool right all right <laughs> bite this pillow um so <laughs> so keanu of course he saunters into the, the room where the women are and he recognizes um erica he recognizes diane keaton as a famed playwright which is like really like niche and specific to be like yeah to recognize it's one thing to be like oh i saw that play and it was incredible or oh like i couldn't tell i couldn't tell you if i bumped into david mamet at a store like i'm not gonna recognize well it should be it should be mentioned she doesn't recognize her by looks she says you're absolutely right jane you're absolutely right she says her name erica i'm erica berry and he's like erica berry the playwright and it's like Okay, first of all, that name is not specific enough to like be a playwright. It's like to be like no. to be like what? So it's like I feel like her name is a little more common where you'd be like I don't know. You would pause before whatever. It doesn't matter. If she had been like I'm Dottie Lampshade and he was like Dottie Lampshade? The Dottie Lampshade? The Dottie Lampshade who works for the CTA? Like then you may be like, yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah. Guilty. Um, so it's this moment where he sort of engrossed with her. Dave, at this moment, right around this time, Dave was like, oh, so I know what's going to happen. He's going to fall in love with Amanda Pete. 
and then like and uh diane's gonna fall in love with jack and i was sort of just thinking like that's what i thought was gonna happen yeah, but we're dealing with Nanham here. I'm well, not Nanham. God, although she may have been, she may have been in the writers' room too. She may have but been in the writers' room. One and the same. With, with the amount of bossa nova and French music in this, she and may I have like, something to say about. And this I movie. love it so much. Like there were oh so God. many of those great bossa nova songs. I was like, oh, I love Sergio Mendez. So like oh just God. getting for of him course. getting his like his his shout out in the movie. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here for this fantasy. I mean, I remember like on car trips, my parents would like pop in like Astro Gilberto and like listen to that. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So good. It's like, but also like so ridiculous. Yeah, no, <laughs> so it is. So part of but, this world. But if you want to dive headfirst into a fantasy, you put that on on a sunny day and you just oh, like, yeah. you live through it, baby. <laughs> um, there's a moment also where like Jack Nicholson's character sort of gets loose. I actually wrote in my notes, Nicholson gets loose. We see that fat ass. Um, there's a moment where <laughs> his donk is exposed you um, see that dimply fat ass not uh, once not twice but thrice the camera pans to it it's a nice can so <laughs> we see this moment and then they quickly grab him and they put him back in bed and then another person who's way too big for the role that they had in the movie but thank you like john favreau shows up and is randomly playing jack Nicholson's assistant for some reason <laughs> Oh. And he has like two scenes in the movie. Like he is not a big part of this movie. But you know, his agent was probably like, okay, so it's a movie. It's Jack Nicholson, Diane Keat. I'll take it. And like, oh, yeah. okay, cool, cool, cool. Which I probably, I mean, I would too. Oh yeah. Or you like, <laughs> or you think that like, or you think that like, maybe there's like a couple scenes that got cut or something. And then, you know, Do- dreamy Dr. Julian Keanu comes out. By the way, in my notes, I only refer to him as Dr. Keanu. I do not know his character's name. Yeah, no, it's way sexier. Um, although Julian's a pretty sexy name too. Um, but Dr. Keanu, I think Julian's like a sexy name. Okay. Also, like, it's so obvious to the fact, like, he uses the words, like, you can't travel. And it's like, <laughs> okay, so clearly you're going back to Erica's Hamptons mansion. Although and- I did write down also that there's literally no reason for Harry's character to adhere to these rules. He could literally say, okay, I'm going back to Erica's house, get in that limousine, and be like, take me back to New York. Also, like- can I ask you, like, how far of a difference is it a drive from like the Hamptons to New York City? It's probably like what an hour. It's not like a major travel moment. Like if he can, it looks like down. it's about two hours. So okay, so he could lie down in the back of his limo and like grin and bear. Yeah, no, there's no reason. Fine. And also the thing, the thing is, he there's like he has no, there's no, there's literally no repercussions for him being like. No, I'm not doing that. Like for him just saying, oh, for him saying, okay, I'll say that. And then him getting in the car and then like, no, we're going home. Like, well, what would also happen? given the fact that throughout the film, he ignores most of the doctor's other advice. <laughs> like, why is he staying in why a is the, the, the area? The, the, why is this the bridge too far? Yeah. The like um, unmovable, like boulder in the way of his recovery. It's like, no. It's true. And then there's the moment shortly after, which Dave actually like guffawed at, which is when Marin walks in the room and says, she's heading back to the city. Um, everybody's <laughs> leaving. 
And Marin doesn't run it by her mother or anything. She basically says to her father, oh, I can ride back to the city with you. So Diane Keaton is, of course, caught completely off guard by this. And she's like, wait, what? You're leaving me here with him? Everybody else is leaving too. So it's just going to be the two of them. And she's sort of like, yeah, I've got to get back for whatever, like, nondescript, you know, engagement she has that she can't get out of. She's Which is so crazy. When you think it's about insane. it. It's insane. My mother would be like, if, if that, if, again, we're making comparisons between my mother and this character my mother would be like you can move whatever you need to move out of the way but you're staying in this house until this person leaves yeah, <laughs> like, you're not leaving me alone with this stranger who just this, had a heart attack like i'm not going to be you know responsible for this person's life i don't even know him so <laughs> that all happens and then um we sort of flash forward and they find out that um, they have some things in common. She's yes. like, oh, I only sleep four hours a night. Yes, like, that's what I was going to say. Well, that's crazy. First of all, what yeah. is that voice that I was just doing? But he's like, that's so crazy. Me too. I, I've I never really slept. And so we're starting to see cracks. Oh, they've got little, um, yeah, they've got little areas where they actually do once they like breathe and like sort of take off the judgy McJudgerson hats. They exactly. actually have areas where they sort of like, you know. Where they connect, where they find where they each connect. other. And I think and then one of the things he says as she's like leaving the room he's like (laughs) this is my this is first of all this is my favorite thing he's like i've actually said this to jane before that's why she (laughs) she likes this line so much but yeah continue what's with the turtlenecks (laughs) why is he will ferrell's interpretation of harry carey (laughs) (laughs) and like a splash of bill cosby again to be honest i have never claimed to be a great impressionist and i'm doing my best you pretended to be a friend that i trusted for a long time (sighs) and now you're right but honestly that's fair i won't do it again (laughs) (laughs) no you're no i'm sorry please do your impersonation i'll be her you be him and i'll be her okay watch what that's jimmy stewart i don't know where i'm going this my own i have like no ability to do this okay what's with the turtlenecks <laughs> i happen to like them and i don't know why do you care what i wear um i don't know it's the middle of summer and see uh, don't you get hot don't you get hot <laughs> she says never no she says no and he never? says not damn it i don't even the line not lately not, not lately in her <laughs> classic diane keen way and she like exactly saunters other. some of you are probably wondering why would you initiate a, a back and forth um portrayal of jack nicholson and diane keen if you didn't know the the words <laughs> well enough brandon you idiot hang on i'm not okay. done with these turtlenecks i'm sorry we're back in the turtlenecks i'm sorry guys i am furious that we learned that it is the middle of the summer and this woman is walking around in turtlenecks and cardigans which leads me to a couple of conclusions they're not filming in the summer because you can't i'm sorry but in july in new york it's fucking hot as shit you can't run around in a turtleneck and granted i've never spent any large amount of time in time in the Hamptons I know it's on the water maybe there's a breeze it's still hot as shit it's still July and so this is when I start my war with the costume department of this movie 
Whatever. You know Diane Keaton probably like kept showing up to set in total next that she refused to take off. And so they had no choice but to write it into the script. Write it into the script. Like, come on. I guess so. It's a losing battle, but it's so upsetting to me. I don't know. I'm sweating just thinking about it. You know it was probably like her like hashing it out with like Nancy Myers and her being like, I'm gonna wear the fucking turtlenecks, Nancy. So just deal with it. And she's like, Well, fine, but you have to take off the damn bolo and the top hat. It's like compromise. And so we know that's what happened. I also can, for some reason, see like Diane Keaton's like a very like small woman, and like she's like of a certain age. So sometimes I know, I know in my limited experience that my mother and my grandmother, like a room can be like sixty-five to seventy degrees, and like my grandmother will walk in and be like, "Oh my god," and like grab a blanket and drape it over herself. So it's like. <laughs> I know that like that could happen, but I do agree with you that like yeah, it's pretty, it's 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 pushing it. So Diane decides that she's finished for the night, or should I say, Erica Berry, and she closes her laptop. And she looks over and she sees through her window that the light goes off in Jack Nicholson's room, Harry Sanborn, whatever the fuck his name is. She then decides, oh, thank God, now is the time to walk through my gigantic room and take off each article of clothing one at a time. (laughs) And she starts with her sweater, and then she starts with her pants, and then her underwear, and then her bra, and miraculously walks by her open door in her house where she has just stated that there are too many people running in and out, milling around her house. She spots Jack Nicholson, who is inexplicably walking into her room, spots her naked, and she screams. We do get a nearly full frontal of Diane Keaton. She's looking good. And she's looking great and if i looked like that at her age i would absolutely write it into my contract yes i get a nude scene because there first of all i do celebrate the fact that we are seeing a woman of a certain age in the buff and also if you're playing a drinking game while listening to this obviously you're taking a shot every time we say woman of a certain age so by now you are dead (laughs) she is you know, everybody is a good body and Diane's is no exception. And you get a glimpse of it and there's an awkward moment where she screams, runs into the bathroom. She's and like, what says, are you doing? And he says, I, I was looking for the kitchen. Why would, why, why? He knows where the kitchen is. <laughs> also, why are you walking time. around? You had a heart attack, what, 24 hours ago? And you're just taking midnight strolls in the manse? Well, you know, (laughs) maybe he wanted some grapes or something or some water to take some pills, you know, Keanu, of course, makes his sexy way into the kitchen. Um, Erica's in there and um, he, you know, has a light conversation with her, which, you know, he observes her on the phone call on a phone call laughing and being delightful, Diane. And he thinks to himself, like, I want a piece of that. And um, he, I love how they do that, like slow montage. They're like chatting, or whatever, and then Diane gets a phone call, and she's like on the phone, and like they like the music swells, and she's like talking on the phone and like laughing, like. <laughs> and Keanu is just like staring at her, like he's. In it's like the way you want love. to be seen by people that you want to desire <laughs> you. It's this sort of like absolutely. It's this. It's this blithe, like not Danner. Don't go there, guys. Um, it's <laughs> this sort wouldn't. of. 
Although who wouldn't? She's delight as well. But it's this sort of like effervescence. There's this this like buoyancy to her and like, and she's got that beautiful smile and he's just like, you know, I'm going to ask her out on a date. And then he does. And she's sort of taken aback, but of course agrees because that's what you do when Keanu Reeves asks you on a date. Mm -hmm. So he's dashing and he's a doctor and like, he's just, he's he's a smoke show. Yeah. And he's like in his thirties and she's like, Oh, I, simply couldn't but blah, you know and but she decides <laughs> I'm to. flustered again he also um, does this really cute thing where he writes to her on his like prescription pad like will you go out on a date with me and so she's like you know she Diane Keaton's it and she's like oh okay you know <laughs> like quirky but cute <laughs> <Hum> up. Um, <laughs> it's very that so the you know the after this the doctor picks up um, Erica from her home. She has a great reveal moment where she looks absolutely stunning. Um, I love this moment because she walks out in her little black dress and Jack and Keanu are like blown away. And it's so funny to me because it really is just a very basic black dress. I mean, she looks fantastic. Don't get me wrong. She looks wonderful, but I feel like the way they look at her, it's like she's stepping out in like an absolutely like opulent ball gown. <laughs> it's like, sweetie, no. that dress is actually like jersey. Like <laughs> Well, you also know that like it probably once again was like uh, back and forth with the wardrobe people and they probably had something a bit more showy and Diane was like, no. <laughs> she's like, I have something that's perfectly serviceable and I'll wear it tomorrow. <laughs> and and so- again, it is from J.J. <laughs> exactly. And it looks amazing on her. And so he ends up, you know, looking through uh, more of the photos. He stumbles upon photo albums, which this is one of my favorite things in movies with legends in them. I oh love a scene in a movie with a legendary actor where they pull out photos of them from like their 20s and 30s. And you know that they had to like crop out like Yul Brenner in the photo or like, mm-hmm. you know, like Christopher Walken <laughs> or something Absolutely. because it's like that girl that like photo was taken at the Oscars. photo of Diane Keaton in 1977. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like rubbing elbows with someone. Literally standing next to Robert De Niro. And it's just like, <laughs> girl. Um, so that's always really fun. Um, so but it was these... fun to see those pictures because she's just, you just remember how, you know. Oh yeah, no, she's. How she's... long she's been a- around and how, yeah. you know, how beautiful she's always been and you know yeah absolutely and so julian we're back we're at the dinner julian's um erica's still playing kind of like julian and with the doctor and erica Mm -hmm. um erica's still playing kind of dumb and it's like girl you know what this is and she's very like well i thought you just wanted to take me out to to what i don't know but um she's playing her game and he's sort of like no like i want you and it's just like and he goes in for a neck kiss which i (laughs) just like what a strange place to start normally you start like (laughs) and i was like well of course i mean it's keanu anybody would take a neck kiss from keanu but i just thought it was a weird choice like your first kiss you're gonna go straight for the neck but you know she likes it yeah and who wouldn't you know and who wouldn't exactly (laughs) um and he makes it clear like no like i I want you and she brings up her age difference and he's like i don't care like i i'm into you i'm attracted to you i think you're a lovely woman and then shortly after this scene um we begin the little i am fun instant messenger for the newbies out there aim aol instant messenger wasn't sponsored we don't know if it's aol but no no they know we're still using like i aming in 2003 
I think it may have been like on its way out, but there probably okay. were still people using it. Um, because I remember in 2010 when I was in grad school, someone had an AOL email address. And I remember being like, what? <laughs> I, when I come across, I still sometimes randomly come across people who have an AOL email address. And I'm like, are you... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I worked I worked a job where I um a lot of our core clientele were senior citizens and when mm. you would have to get sort of required information from them one of the things was an email address and I was always <laughs> shocked by <laughs> the email addresses because it would just be like J McFarb at <laughs> Globo Telerama <laughs> edu ru. It's like where would you get this Russian but email address, ma'am. So they're 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 instant messaging each other back and forth, and he they do a little you know flirty banter, and he asks her if she's hungry, and she's like, "I just came from dinner, boy, you crazy?" And he's like, "Yeah, I know, but women don't eat at, on dates," and she's like, "True," and I'm like, you "Got me again." are the women you're taking out because I literally don't miss an opportunity to eat, particularly if I'm at a restaurant, I'm eating. But, you know, I guess that is probably something um, steeped in misogyny and all of that shit. Absolutely, yeah. Anyways, so they decide that they're going to have a pajama party and meet in in the the kitchen kitchen to make some food. And of course we are back in the gorgeous Nancy Myers kitchen. I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but last week when Brandon rolled out that this was going to be our movie for this week, we did what we call our first impressions. And one of the first things I said is, well, it's going to be a Nancy Myers movie. So I know that it's going to be a beautiful kitchen. And it is. And it was. No, she and I want to live there. The and she goes, she goes, well, they decide they're going to eat food, but they don't know what they're going to eat yet. And she like opens the fridge and she's like, talks, she's like, oh, we've got this, this. I love how she throws in leftover cocoa. Cocoa vein. Yeah. I noticed that too. <laughs> you bougie bitch. <laughs> it's oh, got this leftover cocoa vein. Cocoa like cocoa vein takes hours to make it is really i've made it before but it's like it's a decision it's not (laughs) something casual but yeah it's like of course you have this just like sitting in your in your just like stewing in your refrigerator like collecting mold and she's like i'm not gonna eat the rest of the cocoa van let's make pancakes so they decide to have a pancake party and during this pancake party, they have this conversation, this back and forth about how, you know, he's impressed by her. He sees her as a a tower of strength because mm-hmm. she is someone who's been alone for a while and she's not afraid of that. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, I can't remember the words he uses to describe her, but he talks about how he sees her in a different light because she is who she is without apology, I guess. And, and most women he knows or whatever like that. And she looks up and she says, I can't decide if you hate me or if, the, or if it's you're like, the only person who ever really got me. <laughs> it's like, 
So it's like we're laying it on so thick. So, so you know, Erica goes to bed. We see because it's heavily, heavily edited to to give us the storyline of Marin sort of putting the pieces together as far as like what's Absolutely. going on here. Then, then they're back at that French cafe. You know, they paid for that shooting location. They're going to get all their coins out of it. <laughs> um, and Marin sort of says, like, I think I'm going to break up with Harry. Um, you know, her mom, you know, is like, what? Um, what this? Like, you two Why together? Would you do that? Oh, I think he's nice. And it's like, we all know this is coming. And so she then encourages her mother to look into it and be like, I know you've got something going on with Harry. And I think you guys should definitely get together. And she's like, no, honey, that's weird. And Marin is like, it's fine. We've never had sex. And I'm like, Okay, so that's the line for you not dating your daughter's boyfriend is the fact that they haven't had sex, so that makes it okay. Because <laughs> in my family, I feel like that would be more of a conversation than like a jaunty chat over the peaches at the bougie fucking French market. Also, I want to point out that our producer David, he did. Um, I don't know why I said his name with that with that type <laughs> of uncertainty he's a person that i've been with for um (laughs) close to a decade now um so silly me uh you all know how young i am too so i was definitely like Mm -hmm. probably underage when we started dating i'm barely 24 (laughs) he just said please stop he doesn't like me telling all the secrets um (laughs) but the title of the movie comes from a 1954 song written by johnny mercer um, who's the namesake of Keanu Reeves' character in the movie Julian Mercer? So, oh, okay. So that's more of a Myers detail. did her homework. Well, um, I guess Myers did her homework and I didn't, which is yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Um, so you know, <laughs> and in the grand tradition of you know Nancy Meyer supporting characters really not existing as more than a two D character, we have to give weight to the fact that. A woman's 20-something daughter who was in a relationship with somebody and then her mother is interested in her. This is too clean. This is too clean a break. I'll I'll have to say that when I was a 20-year-old, no matter what, if my mother showed an interest in someone I was dating, I probably would take that as a personal affront break up with them and then hold it over my mother's head for years because that's weird I don't see a 20 something year old daughter being this mature about this scenario I think that it's I think that she's it's really a means to an end they've made sure of I mean I think nature made sure of the fact that there was no chemistry between Amanda Peet's character (laughs) and Jack Nicholson's character but also it's like if there was even like a slight uneasiness from Marin then instantly Erica becomes the villain. And so there's exactly. no way but that's to not the story that we wanted to tell without like without putting the neatest of bows on it where it's like not only am I going to break up with him but I'm going to literally get on my hands and knees and beg you to then pursue a relationship with him. So yeah, no, it's a lot. Um so they so that happens and then like they start making out and you know the thing I that, only well first of all, I only have eyes for you starts playing. Of course it does. They get closer and and they kiss and you get to see Jack Nicholson's weird mouth and um, that's something that we all have to deal with they have a a really nice um, smooch and then there's a little bit of discussion Uh, Diane's extra Diane she's very flustered Um, (laughs) and then they work their way to the bed 
And they start sort of making out. And she's, of course, wearing one of her patented turtlenecks. And I want to take a minute to talk about this sex scene. We're, they're on the bed. Let's, let's, let's slow it down, Bran. Okay. All right. For you and for me. <laughs> they're on this bed. I believe he's on top of her. And, you know, they're whispering sweet nothings and she is excited and giggly and, you know, as you said, classic Diane. He is creepy and low toned and gross. And, you know, again, the geriatric potato we've come to know and love. And they're kissing and (laughs) they turn this sex scene into it's, it's a comedy montage of two older people having sex, which I actually think is a very lovely thing to do. Because, again, not something you see a lot on the big screen or the small screen. But we get to her turtleneck. And she pulls out what can only be described as, like, antique scissors from her bedside table. (laughs) And she's like, oh, yes, cut off my turtleneck. And so he takes the scissors and he cuts it all, all the way up to her bra and then rips it open into a lovely little turtleneck cardigan. And she is free. And I think this is a commentary on the moment. She is finding herself sexually. She is literally and figuratively ripping off the turtleneck and and going for exactly what she wants, which for some reason is Jack Nicholson's dick. You think that this is you think that this is commentary on the relationship and what's going on between them, Jane? It was so subtly placed in the movie. Um, first of all, I've never had anybody just like cut off a cashmere turtleneck on me because I would be hundreds furious. Of by the way, um, this is a very expensive turtleneck. There's no doubt yeah, about it. And if no. that was me, I'd be like, "Wow, I can't wait for that Venmo to hit my account because you owe me at least a hundred dollars." Also, she would never do this. She's far too sensible of a woman, and it's too easy Absolutely. to put your arms over your head and take it off so you can wear it again. <laughs> It does speak to the fact that she probably has maybe Oh, I'm sure, yeah. It's not even a dent in her arsenal of turtlenecks now. <laughs> um, but he cuts but it still, off. And, impractical. And there's more, you know, heavy petting, a lot of heavy breathing. You know, they get after it. And it's actually one of the most graphic sex scenes in movie history. No, I'm joking. <laughs> she says, I love sex. And he says, you sure do. Um, and then um, <laughs> they, not long after this, they sort of like navigate to the kitchen um, and they're in their robes. And, you know, we're listening to the instrumental that keeps playing of Lovey and Rose. They're eating their <laughs> eggs and she's talking about how she writes plays that take place in Paris and she loves Paris. She mentions a lovely restaurant in Paris that's always where you go to eat because you get the best, they have the best roast chicken in the world, which also is like not a food item that like, I love it, but it's not a food item that would like get me to a place. Um, Absolutely. Roast chicken is delicious, but it's like, if I can make it at home, I'm not going to order it on a If menu. I'm in Paris, I'm not ordering roast chicken. No, um, like duck or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they, but she talks about the chicken. She And then she also mentions, you know, she asks, when's your birthday? And he says, February. And she says, mine's January. If we still know each other by then, then we should go to Paris together. This is where he sort of recoils a little bit. And you can see him sort of beginning to shut down and trying to navigate this type of like, this introduction to some semblance of a commitment that is very foreign for him. 
And you can also see her catching herself the moment after and realizing, ooh, like this is not the type of man that I'm dealing with. And maybe I push things too far. But, you know, it must she be noted. She also says the line that I don't know how to be intimate without being intimate, which yes. I actually like resonated with because I think like. Oh, for sure. It's so hard to have a casual sexual relationship and know what the rules are, particularly when you're that age, I think. And when you are coming off, you know, this is your first sort of encounter in many years and you've been married for 20 years. Like, how do you casually relate to someone sexually? Yeah. And also like understanding how to sort of do that without allowing feelings to, to take over. So Erica's calling her mom and she's basically like, I need you to come to the city now, which is a huge inconvenience. And my mom would have been like, we'll talk this week. What the hell is Erica doing? Yeah. She's fine. She's yeah. got time to make it into the city. She's running around the farmer's market, yeah. typing yeah. a few lines out on her play. Yeah. She, she's she, got she, the she time. She plugs away when she can, when she can. So Erica's like, okay, be there in a gif so she shows up in the city you know Marin's falling apart erica's doing better than ever which Marin actually notes you know you're glowing you're great you know and she also Marin tells her i need you to come to dinner tonight with me dad and his fiance and erica's like well you know fuck it when in rome so she's here she doesn't want to but she sort of basically says you're gonna have to meet her as well we might as well do it together so erica agrees erica's also got this lovely like white pantsuit that i guess she brought with her um I mean, it's great. Uh, yeah, exactly. She but didn't know she was coming to dinner. But they mentioned but she has an apartment in the city. So she does. She's the, the Hamptons is not her only home. So she yeah. So she probably has a place in the city where she puts up all her place. So she runs home, gets her Dolce and Gabbana white pantsuit, and they end it's up me inside. watching this through a poor man's gaze. So I like <laughs> it's when you're a poor person and you watch movies or television shows and you find yourself trying to justify the lifestyle of people. Like totally. It's just like well, how, how can they afford to do that? She just said that she lost her job and they're living in this, you know, 2,500 square foot, you know, apartment. And she says she has a PA to tear in Paris, but she can't even pay her light bill. It's like, stop it with the trying to put the logistics together because it doesn't That's my world. thing too. I am such a logistics person when it comes to movies. Especially I'm just when like, it comes to like money and you're watching people live above their means. Not like that's happening in this movie. We're just talking about in general. Like you're watching people live above their means and you're just like, how are they going to pay rent this month? It's like, don't worry about it. Because it's a movie. Well, it's and the whole thing where it's like it's Carrie Bradshaw in Sex and the City who writes a weekly column <laughs> for a, a New York, yeah. the New York Star, which is not even, which I assume is like a rag. They make a lot of jokes about how it's like not a real magazine or it's like, it's like, like the like Daily News, porn pages in the back or whatever. Yeah. It's like not a reputable magazine. She writes a sorry, I think I said daily, but she writes a weekly column. And as someone who has spent some time trying to make some money as a writer, let me tell you how much money a weekly column in a shitty newspaper makes you absolutely fuck all and she's living on her own in fucking manhattan in a quote-unquote rent-controlled apartment and it's just it's all so unbelievable there really should have been a moment at the end like in the last episode where she's just like i'm being crushed (laughs) by debt like and she's just to reveal to everybody that like all of her Manolo Blahniks, like it's just like I she's just like, I'm so sorry. Like Samantha, I took out a credit card in your name. Like Charlotte 
of course you you left your your purse um <laughs> tucked away on that shelf uh in your closet and i found it and i helped myself to your social security number like she's like I'm ripped not off a well woman all of her quote-unquote best friends over the years exactly she's like just, the walls are crumbling down and she's just like I can't. I can't hide in this. I can't hide in, in this bespoke pashmina anymore. I've got to tell you what really happened. Um, so, yeah, no, very bad. Um, this is a sound stage, right? Oh, 100%. There's no okay. way yeah, yeah, this yeah. is done. Yeah, in it was, yeah. And yeah, it was like. This is absolutely a sound stage. That's where all and that money went for that $80 million budget. I'm sure. They're them them too busy trying to build Little Manhattan over there. Exactly. When we're in LA. <laughs> And there's a moment. It reminds me actually of a moment in Sex in the City when Carrie says, I forget who it is. I think it's big, but Terry, but Carrie says, You're not sure, and you're too old to not be sure, and I'm too old to ignore that. It's a great line. And I mean, honestly, um, I did feel goosebumps when you delivered it. So <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks. Um, everybody knows I was a first choice for that part, and then I gave it because I Carrie always Bradshaw? gave certain- I gave Sarah Jessica Parker all my scraps in the 90s. Um, not like when my table scraps. When that show premiere, like 1998? You were in like sixth grade. <laughs> yeah, but as we've mentioned before, Brian Singer was a producer on it, and he wanted to take it in a different direction, um, which wouldn't have been me, by the way. It would have been a little white boy. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, So let's get back to the story. We'll do our best. Yeah, let's go back to Erica, because she's really going through it. So she's she checks her voicemails. She hears the message from Dr. Julian. She immediately falls into one of her classic Keaton meltdown, you know, tear fests. It's and, a montage of her crying in different places in her house. You, we And she realizes in this montage time. that she's got his glasses. She realizes yes. in this moment that she's wearing his glasses. So it's the full moment Which, where they both Honestly, know, know. I think her his glasses look way cute Really on cute her. on her. Yep, yeah. They did. They were hella cute. <laughs> and so she's falling apart. And then you're right, Jane. I'm sorry. You were saying there's a big montage of crying lots of like ambitious camera work that wasn't really needed for this movie <laughs> but <laughs> there's lots of like, but we'll take it baby we got an 80 million dollar budget we'll take it. we got 80 million dollars and we got to spend it um so we've got her doing we've got a lot of really great like cam work panning around rooms and she's really going through it and she's writing this entire time she's writing the story of what happened between her and harry and her daughter Marin. um it's becoming in play the play form because yes she's in play playwright. form it's mm-hmm. it's turning into the play and as she's going through this we're noticing her sort of like growing as a as a person and sort of working her way through i do want um, to point heartbreak. out this is this montage is is the comedy moment of this movie yes. where it's just diane in different scenarios sobbing in a very like hysterical and relatable way and you're going through it you're seeing her typing you're seeing her waking up in bed waking up in bed crying Crying. living her life with her daughter whatever blah 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 on the beach by herself on the beach clutching pages like paper pages of her play to her chest and just twirling in circles crying it's like what are you doing why'd you take that paper the thing is is that like (laughs) i i (laughs) 
I appreciate the comedic moment and putting her. In oh, a it's great. Where she does the lovely, the, the hilarious, hysterical sobs, just the weird jerky movements, and we're mm-hmm. all laughing. But I do want to bring this back down to earth for a minute and talk about the fact that she is giving all this for geriatric potato. She's known for one week. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's and all- too much. It's too much. I'm but like we have to ground the story somewhere it's a lot and also you guys like you kind of got to know him for a day or two you guys smashed and then you found out he was a dirty dog the next day like let's charge it to the game and keep it cute like you've also got like one of the most desirable dicks in the world like literally like waiting on you back home like look why didn't you have him like throw your back out as soon as you got home? Cause I would have making that dick appointment from the car on, on the, the cab on the way home, please. Because honestly, first of all, I've been rooting for Keanu this whole time. I've never gotten the Jack Nicholson thing, whatever, but you need to be putting your energy into someone who wants to be with you. And it just so happens that a very attractive early 2000s Keanu Reeves wants you to hop on his dick. So please make yeah. the phone call. Also, all Jack Nicholson was, was, a, was a dry run. Dirty fucking sheets that you've used yeah. from having sex with Keanu Reeves over and over again. From Jack Nicholson over and over again. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Oh, oh, after. I thought you meant like they were still dirty from when they when she fucked Jack Nicholson earlier. <laughs> oh, like, I don't really see that for her, but okay. Um, Honestly, I lost myself there in that scenario, but we we got Well, to the it. thing we, is, just, you know, Jack was a dry run. You'd knock the cobwebs off. Let's get it going now. Um, so... <laughs> This whole thing happens in this montage. We all of a sudden we know that a new light's coming because we get early aughts songs about Jane Maroon Five at their oh peak. Oh my god! The song starts right before Aunt Zoe gets to the farmer's market as she's looking over, you know, some apples. She looks up and she sees Doctor Julian, and I'm like, Ah, oh, Zoe's gonna smash. I Sister's thought so trash. too. <laughs> Sister's trash. Your treasure. Um, it's Zoe's treasure. Zoe's and I was trash. like, Well done, Zoe. Some Someone is doing Someone the in right the family's getting it. So they run into each other at the farmer's market, and then Zoe brings Dr. Keanu home. Back to the house. Back to the house to see Diane. They all have a lovely lunch together set to the tune of Sunday Morning, the only Maroon 5 song that I love. And he brings, also Dr. Julian brings a bouquet of flowers, and he says to Erica, these are for you to give me when you apologize. Which is so smooth. Um, so smooth. And um, I was like, oh my God, Dr. Keanu. Like, I'm going to stop it. <laughs> oh my um, God, you're so cute. And um, they have a great dinner. And then Keanu just shoots a shot. And so they have that moment. And then she finishes her play right after this. And then she's like, oh my God, I'm done with the play. It's like, it's a couple days later, whenever. She comes out of the bedroom. She runs into the living room. Dr. Julian play. He says, this is like the most incredible thing, thing you've ever written. And then he kind of tries to pull her in for a kiss and she pulls away a little bit and then he says must we go through this every time which was such a quick line but also like very telling about like whatever's Mm -hmm. going on in their relationship they have a quick little kiss he jumps over the couch and he chases her out of the room and it's what you want it's what you want you can only assume they're headed to the bedroom he's gonna Mm -hmm. be a very attentive lover (laughs) yeah 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 for sure he knows the woman's body you know he's He's a doctor doctor. baby i know there's plenty of people out there married to doctors or who have just fucked doctors who are like nope dragon like um, don't worry it's absolutely like <laughs> missionary every time boring <laughs> don't worry 
he's never consulted her about an orgasm. Um, <laughs> so the next scene, he has another anxiety attack right after this. And he goes to see the doctor and she, he thinks it's another heart attack. He thinks we it's another heart attack. Again, that it's not. And she's like, no more self-diagnosis. Like, I got the degrees. <laughs> I'm good. Um, Do you have MD at the end of your name? Or are you exactly. just a simple fucking record label owner that's what she says to him exactly and then the movie <laughs> it takes is on verbatim like, the line um classism and ableism in a way that i thought was very <laughs> thought-provoking and probing no that doesn't happen <laughs> she tells him that she's gonna play um she's gonna play sidewalk psychiatrist is that what the term is what is it like it's like um, a term yeah i don't think that yeah. What is it called? Like a like a, it's a dime store psychiatrist I, or something, something like that? It's something that sidewalk psychiatrist sounds so right to me, even though I don't <laughs> think that's the same. But that's anyways, the term we're, for now on everybody. That's what so, we're calling it. Yeah, you're a curbside psychologist. Um, so she tells him to close his eyes. He does. And then we flash forward to six months later. Hold and on. She says, imagine, she says, imagine like a place, a very like, she says, close your eyes. Imagine a place that's very like, it's, it doesn't matter what she says. We just, she doesn't just say close your eyes and then we skip ahead six months. She goes, she teaches him how to find a moment of Zen within his anxiety. That's the point of that. It's not just like he closes his eyes and we skip ahead six months later. She's teaching him some quote unquote emotional tools to be able to handle these anxiety attacks. So we do, we skip ahead to six months later and erica's sort of sitting outside on the beach crying it out you know and she sits down with her Marin sits down with her and Marin tells her mother you know this is why i never give over to love this is why you you have to be careful about that and you know diane keaton's sort of like let me hit you with the thesis you really think that you can outsmart love you know then you're dumber than you look and so there's a moment where Marin takes that in like, oh, my mom is maybe right. And she says the opposite. She's like, you got to lean into those moments and you've got to go after it. And like, mm-hmm. don't try and like, don't think you're going to win in that chess game because you're always going to lose, you know? And so mm-hmm. she sort of takes that in. <laughs> there's and I think, so much liberty with the dialogue here. <laughs> it's like, these if you... <laughs> aren't exact, these aren't the if exact you, lines. This is, no, they're not exact lines. And this is a conversation that you might have with like someone you're mentoring with like the big brother little brother program <laughs> like not like diane keaton and her daughter Amanda to but go off sis <laughs> <laughs> you're too busy playing boo-boo the fool it's like what <laughs> like who was in this movie again this is sounding real lifetime hey, let's take that again <laughs> this is sounding real lmn are these lines from the unauthorized biography of salt and pepper so um he leaves and you know in that moment and you know as soon as he leaves you know harry's going to paris he's going to paris because he's he was given a half-ass invitation gay paris Exactly. So he shows up there. And of course, that restaurant that she told him she loves because of the roasted chicken. Hold on. Before we get to the restaurant, Harry exits his hotel in Paris, stands in front of the worst green screen of the Eiffel Tower and is like, showtime. (laughs) 
I think that crafts what had happened was craft services had maybe gotten away from them a little bit. And like there was money in the $80 million budget for a rom-com to afford to shoot on location. But then at the last minute, like Nancy was like, we've really, our turtleneck budget got insane. Our turtleneck budget got insane. We have imbibed so much camembert on this set. <laughs> Cannot justify a trip to Paris. So we're going to go ahead and do it on the plot. Swing it. We shouldn't have been serving duck a l'orange every day <laughs> at craft services. It was insane to have Wolfgang Puck come here and cook meals for us and then fork feed it to our stars. And, and it, you know, truly it got away from us. And here we are. And so we're doing green screen. Fuck it. Um, Green screen, baby. (laughs) So he shows up at the restaurant. Erica is sitting at a table by herself. She looks fabulous, but she does not look happy to see him. She tries to duck, actually, like underneath the table, like kind of. And then he clocks She's confused. You can tell she's confused. Oh, yeah. She's confused. She's (laughs) flustered. I mean, to see your ex, you know, uh, from New York as you're living your best life in Paris, I can only imagine what that must feel like. And he sort of approaches the table. He's in no way, no tail between his legs. Um, he's very no. happy still, and comfortable. Still Not, violently confident for a man who's just been like, hey, I, hey I'm emotionally ready for you, Erica. <laughs> it's yeah, like, exactly. Okay, well, you didn't even take a look around the room to see if anybody else was coming? Because yeah, guess I what? Took baby st- yeah, I took baby steps at 70, so I'm on the road to being the man you need me to be. It's like, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. If you're marrying a 70-year-old man, you need to have your shit together. I agree. I mean, you're 63 and you are so emotionally idiotic that like you think you can show up at a restaurant and be like so he 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 sits down and across from her he and tries he's to like, kiss her he tries to kiss her on the mouth down and he's like you know my life has changed since my episode and i went and visited you know all my little black books and talked to all these women and they all shut the door in my face but then eventually some of them started talking to me and telling me about why we broke up and all of my faults and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like the classic, the classic trope that a man cannot heal without bothering women in his life to tell him what his issues are. It's like, it's also like you know, you treated them all like shit. And like, it's exactly. not like you did, and it's not like you did any new or different things with any of them. You, at that point, you have a game, you have like, you have a playbook. You know what your playbook is. You're cognizant right. of the things that you are doing. It's not like, what's happening? What are these relationships falling apart? It's like, you are creating distance between you and them and you flee or you hurt them in those moments where you get scared or where you feel like you could be falling in love so it's like you know what your defense mechanisms are but okay let's let's waste all these women's time Um, exactly but like waste the women's time who the women's time we've already fucking wasted also also erica explained all of this to you outside of that fucking restaurant (laughs) and you were too busy going and you're acting brand new in this parisian restaurant like yeah so you went on that trip around the world that you didn't need to take because all the information was already handed to you by a woman that you were actively in a relationship with and you've literally it's like when you sometimes dave does this when you like tell somebody like oh you should you should try the so-and-so at this place and then they're like okay whatever and then they're like oh my friend told me i should try the so-and-so at this place and you're like i told you that (laughs) 
<laughs> it's about a month ago, baby boy. You could have been enjoying that wedge salad, you know, for weeks now. But you didn't. That hear I've been it until, raving about. You know, Joe Schmo from you know well, the local cannery about, mentioned it. There's something about your partner, like <laughs> giving. Oh, for you sure, I know. I do like <laughs> it's like I Tara does. I Tara and I both do that to each other. Oh, yeah. Where no. it's like we make suggestions, and it's like okay, whatever, and then someone else will make this suggestion. You'll act like it's the a first stranger time in the supermarket. Fucking like, hurt it. Makes a suggestion to you, and you're like, okay. You're like, you're and I run home, tell Tara, like, oh my god, have you heard about this thing? And she'd be like, I literally texted you about that three she's months like, ago. She's like, I started the fucking company. Yes, I've heard about it. You dummy. It's literally our shelves are chock full of it. I can't move the product. Um, so he sits down with her. She listens to his bullshit. She pretends to be interested. And then, of course, we have the moment where our, you know, our, our hero. hero comes in the room. Neo shows up. Um, <laughs> Dr. And Keanu. Dr. Keanu. Is her boyfriend and they are in Paris together on her birthday. That should be your cue, Jack. Get out. Yeah. But no. Exactly. And she and he pulls out a present and he gives her the present because Dr. Julian's not holding back for him. He's not no. holding back for Harry. He's like, I have been looking all over for this parent present. It's just like, oh, can you imagine anything more fucking romantic than like somebody <laughs> like your partner showing up at a restaurant at a candlelit, dimly lit uh candlelit restaurant in Paris on your birthday and pulling out a box with jewelry in it and being like a small jewelry box. Yeah. Which by the way, I'm actually really annoyed because she doesn't open it at the table and we never find out what it is. It is yeah. the biggest you know it's, you know it's, it's, blue ball moment. But of you know movie. it's not an engagement ring. Well, anyway, It's not an engagement ring because he would never have pulled that ring out in front of him like that. You're right. He would have, You're Dr. Right. Julian's a classic. That does actor. not exclude me from wanting to see what the jewelry he picked out oh, for no, her Oh, no, for was. sure. He actually, it was actually a necklace from like fucking Zales. <laughs> It's like you came all the way to Paris to buy me one of those Dr. like infinity Keanu necklaces from fucking never. sales. No, no, he wouldn't. Um, he would never. And and Jack pretends like he's gonna leave, but like not really. He's like, oh, I'm gonna go. And then they're like, oh, you can stay. You should stay. And he's like, oh, okay. Ugh, so they end up having this lovely dinner together. All lovely three of them. dinner. There's uh, first of all all the food that they bring out. I'm like, why am I not in Paris eating right now? But right. I'm not. Um, and. You know, they have like <clears throat> a, a lovely back and forth. There's moments of Dr. Keanu holding her hand and really just showing that he loves her. And you can see it's painful for Jack to see. And then there is a moment where um, they're trying to find out what time it is, I think. And Jack pulls out his glasses to see because he can't read the watch. And it's her glasses. She pulls hers out at the same time. They both pull their glasses out at the same time and look up at each other and they share a laugh. And that's sort of the beginning of seeing Keanu clock, like the connection between them and take it mm -hmm. in. And he's sort of observing the way that they are. And Erica's had a few drinks. So she's feeling like extra, like, you know. Um, she smokes a cigarette. She smokes a cigarette because she's in Paris and she's living her fantasy. Um, it's a very, it's, it's, a, it's a moment where you sort of see like the tides changing a little bit. You see energy sort of I wrote of down Dr. Keanu can set Dr. Keanu can sense the sexual tension. Yes. He and I both hate it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I hate um, it. I don't want this to be no, happening. You don't because you see her being treated right by somebody. Um, and then they end up switching glasses back, the two of them, and um 
they head out. They head out. Um, they're on the street. Um, Erica and Julian, they wave, they get a cab. They offer it to Harry. He says he'd rather walk. So they're going to get in the cab. Julian goes over, shakes Harry's hands. It's great seeing you. Erica goes over. Harry sort of makes a comment, like the beginning of a comment, like, oh, if you ever, uh, if you ever, we see Dr. Julian peeping around the corner, like, what was that? <laughs> Eyes and ears fucking perked. Because also the disrespect for having this moment in front of Dr. Julian. I was like, get out. Get yeah. out, Jack. Get Nobody out, wants you here. Yeah. But you, yeah. How so dare they you? get in the cab. They get in the cab. Erica and Julian get in the cab. They yes. Erica, Erica, because she's a class act, she cuts it all short. She's mm-hmm. like, this was all really cute. Could have done this to me. Could I was an hour away in the Hamptons for a long time. But you decided to drag your ass all the way out here to Gay Paris and interrupt my trip with fucking Neo on some bullshit? Yeah, with my hot doctor boyfriend who's also, like, aware of the Matrix. Um, exactly. <laughs> Last time I checked, I was here with Bill or Ted, and we were living our best fucking life. This is our excellent adventure, and I don't see room for you. Exactly, Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No more. You need to speed your way <laughs> back to the states. Autumn so. in New York? I don't think so, baby. Cause you miss summer. Yeah, so, there ain't nothing Johnny Mnemonic about this one. Keanu was in Autumn in New York, right? I actually don't know. I feel like that was Richard Gere. It's Winona Wright. Damn it! <laughs> But um, I really felt like I had it. Anyways. But so they have their moment. They get in the cab. They leave. Um, Harry does his walk. He ends up at a bridge. He sort of looks. It's beautiful. He's like, he's, he's like gazing at the River Seine. The snow starts. So they had to be in Paris then because that was on location. Yes, that. Unless, I don't know how they would have green screened that. It, yeah, I, it would have been really hard. But maybe but they he, had to reshoot that like Showtime moment or something. Yeah, 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 maybe. But you see but, him taking in the fact that like, yeah, the, yeah, our producer just said they were on location in Paris. Okay. Um, you see him taking in the moment though and like dealing with the loss. Like he lost a real one. Like Diane was like that girl. He and did he, lose like, a real one. And he said, so the rain, the, or sorry, the snow starts falling. He starts tearing up and he says something that I fully don't understand what he means and i can't remember the line of course because it was here's johnny i think no it was not here's johnny oh that must be another movie isn't the shining but he says something like oh i guess i'm the girl now or something like that do you remember that it's like because he's the because he means he means i guess i'm i'm the girl because i've done this so many times before i guess I'm I'm the one left alone crying by myself. Like I know what it's like to be the one who's moved on. I don't know what it's like to be the one who's still got one foot in the relationship and has been basically somebody else has been chosen over me. Okay. So I fucking hate that verbiage he oh, uses. Oh, of course. For that no, moment. no, no. It's I'm not so I'm not sexist. No, no, no. You're no, you're absolutely right. No, you're absolutely okay. right. But no. I, but whatever it's it, it, i hate that that's what that means but whatever that's his personality that's his character we know he's misogynistic we know he's all of those things but um anyways our producer so also he, said i'm sorry the, the eiffel tower was cgi it was added in the background after filming to ground the audience in paris i guess they felt like we didn't get it oh so okay because we like, definitely we'll give them, like, got it and maybe like the cgi looked like a child's drawing but that's okay that's okay anyways yeah. So 
all of a sudden he's talking about being the girl or whatever and then a cab pulls up behind him and it's diane and he's given like the chance that he never deserved that he never deserves and also i want to ask a couple of questions how the fuck she found him yeah i knew you were going to be at this fucking bridge (laughs) (laughs) i knew that this was they never talked about this bridge never had that moment there was a monologue no there was a monologue earlier in the movie where he said i love bridges if i'm ever in paris you can (laughs) always catch me that's a lie because i watched this movie twice by the way and that's he said oh you want let me see if i can send you over a cookie so anyway (laughs) so he wants so he's like i'm at this bridge i like bridge fantasies i like building bridges there was a whole thing sexually attracted to bridges i get off i can only get off on a bridge um (laughs) so she was like i know he's gonna be fucking around on those bridges uh, no, you're absolutely right. I thought the same thing. How did like how did she find him? Like out of all the bridges in Paris, like how did you find him? But anyways, she finds him, and she and like La Vie en Rose is playing as if it's the only fucking French song that ever existed, and you know. And he says, he says, "Where's you know where what are you doing here? Where's Julian?" And she says, "Back at the hotel." He he said the moment he saw us together, he knew that I was still in love with you, um, and then. She says, why'd you come here, Harry? And he says, turns out the heart attack was easy to get over. You were something else. (laughs) I finally get what it's about. I'm 63 years old and I'm in love for the first time in my life. And that's enough, apparently, for her. I wrote down that whole line as well. And you, you delivered it perfectly thank you mama thank you for giving me my credit i want to get my flowers i want to celebrate you where i can baby well that sounded like the moments if you and far between i'm gonna say (laughs) look at you reading in between the lines looking looking for shade right back at you how dare you um and then she simply says harry because that was enough for her a woman who's like famed for her beautiful words and like literally all he said was the greatest playwright of all time and literally delivers no (laughs) memorable lines this whole movie (laughs) wait her (laughs) she's got so many good lines in this movie, though, like, yeah. she, no, come on. That moment There's, when the moment when she says when she says to him at, outside of that restaurant in the white suit, when he looks at her and they're having the, the back and forth and she says and she kisses him, which was improv, by the way, apparently when she kisses ooh. his face and she pulls away and she says, this is heartbroken. No, you know what this is? Kisses his face and she's heartbroken. How's that born purpose? Boom. Okay. <laughs> She's got other ones too, Jane. Just no, stop okay. trying to write her off. <laughs> I'm not. Okay, well, we should finish this up. Basically, yes. she says, oh, Harry, the music swells. They kiss. I am upset because I want her to work things out with Dr. Keanu, but that doesn't happen. No. We cut to them going at to a restaurant. a restaurant. I think it's the same restaurant that the whole thing happened at. Where the same restaurant, I, I, I picked up that it was the same restaurant that she... I did not pick that up, but I don't think it really <sighs> matters either way. It kind of, but it's there's something sort of like poetic about it. If it's like, this is how it ends at the place where everything <coughs> came to a head well, they have it's it's Marin and her husband and they're he said yeah Sanborn party of four yeah he says that 
And it's their Marin and their husband, Diane and Jack, and the fresh baby. And they're all passing around the baby and smiling and um, Okay, laughing. first of all, it's not that it's not fresh enough to note that it's a fresh baby. Like this okay. is like Well, this is the thing. I'm also like, why are you bringing that baby to a fancy restaurant? This But is the baby's thing. just giggling and, you know, living its best life, so it's not bothering Yeah, cuz that baby is a paid actor in real life you getting bring coins. a baby that exactly. age. Exactly. And you see you see Harry playing with the baby. You see Diane in a sensible suit. Um, they're having like a really great time. She's happier than she's ever been. Harry grabs her ass at one point when she's sitting in the seat. He gets a big Ooh, chunk I of it. That. Um, and uh, yeah, they're happy. He's he's looking around proudly at everybody because he like got like the second chance of a lifetime. And <laughs> which is fully undeserved, but he's got oh, it. fully undeserved. Um, and yeah, that's the end of the movie. And Paul Simon's Learn How to Fall starts playing, and it's a wonderful song. <laughs> and that's that's that, how it ends. That's how it ends. And and you know, it was it was a delightful romp. It ended differently than I would have appreciated, but you know, enjoyed every minute of it. It would have been, I mean, it would have been a very, like, if if the ending was just her sort of showing up and being like, you're right, Harry, you deserve a second chance. I just am not the person who's equipped to give it to you. I'm not willing to, my happiness means too much to me at this point in my life for me to, um, for me to be willing to take that kind of risk. And love is a risk, but this just isn't one that's worth taking from me. And, her, and then she you know, walks away into the snow with, with a shirtless Dr. Keanu. Keanu. Exactly. And he's, he, and he's on a horse also for some reason. <laughs> because, yeah. of course. Because he, he can do be. shit like that. Because he can do um, shit like that. Yeah, no, that's how it ends, though. Yeah. And um, it's a great I, time, though. It's a great <laughs> movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, I had a lot of fun watching it. I really hoped that you were going to like it. <laughs> you I know, you I, if I am ever on the couch on a Sunday and it pops up on TV, I will absolutely watch it. It was delightful. It's Jack and Diane, like yeah. going back and forth. It's a it's a fun movie. There's it's mm-hmm. it's breezy. It's easy, and it, and honestly, I think one of <laughs> Diane Keaton's finest performances. She's so great in this movie. She she actually she okay so. Her and and I, it reminds me how much I like Amanda Peet too. Yes, Amanda Peet. And, oh, she yes, was not sorry. given a ton, but she did very well with what she was given. And I thought she made a character who could really skew unlikable as very, very likable. And Dave pointed out, he said, he said, I really like him. He said, I really like Amanda Peach. She always takes interesting parts. She does a lot with them. She never just takes the full on ingenue. There's like, there's something Mm -hmm. extra that she has. And I was like, yeah, she has this, this quality about her. That's a little bit off. That's a little bit off kilter that brings, a lot and I mean that in the best way and it brings a lot Mm -hmm. of like I think um it's like it's funneled through interesting choices and she brings like a a complexity that Mm -hmm. in the hands of uh yeah yes Dave just said it's assertive and self-assured and you find it in roles like um the whole nine yards she's great in saving Silverman she's wonderful and she just Mm -hmm. she brings an edge that's really like well uh, well appreciated and she's 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 always she plays characters who always are in on what's going on and know what's Mm -hmm. happening um she's a smart actress I think um married to one of the creators of uh Game of thrones i think or the producers yeah of the she like I, I i remember reading that she 
married someone who's very wealthy and probably yeah, doesn't so, have to work them. Also, yeah, and also once again, you know, <clears throat> just smart girl. So you can be picky about the roles that you do, which I think is great. And I, I love her. I thought Diane was great. I love seeing Diane. Jack Nicholson will always be creepy to me, and I can't get over I, that. I enjoyed him, and I also said to Dave, "There's so, he, like nobody delivers a line like Jack Nicholson. Like he I is such a quintessential movie star, and some of those lines in the hands of just a less skilled actor, I think would have fallen flat, but he delivers them with such like such conviction. And there's this coolness about him that he just like, he has, you know, and mm-hmm. I, 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 I really, I, it's a delightful film and I, it, it does probably hold like a near and dear place to my heart. I don't think I realized it when I suggested it, but I think watching it again, Diane Keaton also won the golden globe, you know, for this, for this part and was also nominated for an Academy award. Yeah. What? Yeah. Wow. Don't. I didn't know that. No. She is an icon. She is a legend. And she I, is I the agree. Moment. I <laughs> look, I am taking awards out of people's Diane. hands. Let's see you. No. I look, I celebrate anybody who gets a nomination. I think, you know, you got you do the hard work and you get there. And hmm. you know, is that what you this think? was this was the film that happened for her. And I'm just saying words, but I really do. I really did have a good time watching this movie. <laughs> it was a it was a great time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I, do you want to tell me what you have me watching next week? Because I see a little, uh, a little. I hear, I see the corners of your mouth turning. Yeah, around. I do. Um, I am. Uh, there's a lot of gays out there that you know that this movie is one that they remember from childhood and this is where they go. I'm a very different type of gay. Um, So what I'm going to give you to watch is the iconic, the mirror has two faces. It is a Streisand movie. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Amazing. I love this film. It is a great time. I think you are going to love it. Um, It is a film that's near and dear to me. I've watched it many times over and it is a joy every time. And I I really think it's it's got a great cast and I think you're going to enjoy it. I'm really excited. My, I mean, I truly have no first impressions other than like, I know that it's, I know that it's our girl Streisand. I don't know a single thing. Oh, I'm about so excited. It. So I'm, oh, I'm very so excited. excited to jump in. Yeah. You're going to love it. Absolutely. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Oof. Oh, amazing. I'm ready to, I'm ready to jump in. So yeah, it's happening. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We love you probably, or maybe feel mediocre about some of you. I don't know, but um, we'll. Uh, Jane throws that word around. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, no, we love you and we love each other. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.